When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the Over and Back Classic NBA Podcast. I am Jason and with me as usual is Rich. Hello, Rich. What's up? A whole lot, you know, just uh, enjoying some exciting times in the uh, NBA playoffs. Uh, been quite the unpredictable year so far. Yeah, a lot of a uh, lot of teams that uh, you know have have either never won championships or uh, are, are, are have not won championships in in at least our lifetimes and, and been quite a while. So it's 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 pretty fun to see. I mean, we see on on one end, you know, you got the uh, the Phoenix Suns who have never won a title, even though they've you know made it uh, pretty far a few times. And then we're 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 still in the you know final stages here of the Eastern Conference Finals, and those are two teams that, yeah, they last won it, you know, in the 70s and then the 50s or whatever, so it's it's kind of right. cool. It's kind of cool that there's some new blood in there for um, the, the first time, and I saw some amazing stat, too. I don't know if you saw this, uh, that this is the first NBA Finals since 1983 that does not feature a former Shaquille O'Neal teammate, which... Right. Was yeah. just like a, I, I saw it like ten minutes before we record. And I'm like, man, I gotta find out. Now I don't want to. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole just yet. But at some point over this weekend, I'm gonna go and explore that because that uh, that sounds incredible. And I'm very curious what that link and that chain is uh, of of those guys from you know 1983 all the way to 2020. Who who you could uh, who you could call right. Well, you got Byron Scott, probably the uh, one who goes back to '84. That's pro- uh, yeah, that's probably it. I was I was thinking that seems like the most likely one because it had to be what it yeah. had to be at least one of those guys on those older old Orlando teams. So yeah, Byron Scott seems like the easy uh, pick there. And then I was racking my brain about the 2020 guy. <laughs> like it, it, I don't know. It, it's someone. Well, I guess LeBron, right? Yeah, LeBron. Oh well, yeah, right. I forgot. Yeah, <laughs> it is yeah. easy for to get yeah. gigantic Shaq playing for right. the Cleveland Cavaliers, but I guess that right. happened. You don't remember? Yeah, you don't remember <laughs> the Cavs? Uh, yeah. Oh God. Um, well, I guess that was easier than I thought. I I, I would right. like to. Well, all right. Prior to today, I had forgotten that uh, a right. gigantic man, also named Shaquille O'Neal, played for the Cleveland Cavaliers. No, yeah. Not entirely sure if it's the same Shaquille O'Neal. I, I guess. Yeah. You know, reports are that it is, but uh, there, I don't, I don't there, know. If I'm there going. could have been two. Maybe he got swapped. Because there was like the Celtics. There was the Celtics check too. And like, who <laughs> was that guy? That wasn't the was. same guy. <laughs> I I don't think so. Yeah, and the this uh you know TNT Shaq. I don't even know. What yeah, right, 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 right. That, that Boston Shaq had like a weird number and so yeah. I mean, clearly, yeah, clearly not right. the same guy. So clearly, clearly not. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, we'll uh some you deep know fakes dive... going on here. Some AI, yeah, some Westworld stuff going on. <laughs> right. Let's let's dive in that one later. Yes. Yeah, so our next uh... episode will be the deep fakes. The, the... Right. NBA well, deep fakes. Yes. The le- late stage weird Shaquille O'Neal things. Exactly. Um. Yeah, so we are continuing. This is part two of our look at uh, buzzer beaters that won a playoff series. Uh, we Our last show, we looked at ones that happened in the first round. Now we're going to do ones that happened in the later round, second round, or um, conference finals. Uh, and uh, yeah, let's just uh, let's just get right into it. The first one is uh, Tom Heinsohn in the 1960 Eastern Division semifinals or game six. Uh, the Boston Celtics defeating the Philadelphia Warriors. Uh, this year was actually on on paper the best um, Celtics season. They uh, they were finished fifty nine and sixteen. Um, they'd of course won two of the last three titles. You know after uh, you know, Bill Russell and 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 Heinsohn, You know and also an important player, um, especially in those early days. I joined the team in fifty seven. Uh, this year they had tied the league record, winning seventeen in a row. Um, the 60 Celtics, you know, familiar names by now. You, you've talked about them a lot on the show, but, um, you know, Russell, 
Bob Cousy, Frank Ramsey, Bill Sharman, Sam Jones, Casey Jones, Gene Conley are kind of the key guys on this roster. Um, and they'd actually had the third best win-loss percentage uh, in NBA BAA history at this point. They were just slightly behind the 47 Washington Capitals, also coached by Red Arbach, and the 1950 Syracuse Nationals. Um, actually, they're one of only 28 uh, you know teams, if you look at BAA, NBA, or ABA history, that had a win-loss percentage better than 780. So, you know, again, fairly elite, yeah. uh, you know, you know, uh, you know uh, it, it, one iteration of, you know, of course, the 13, uh, you know, 11 championships in 13 seasons already elite dynasty of the um, – so like say, Warriors, you know, no slouches. This is actually Will Chamberlain's rookie year. They finished 49 and 26. They were coached by Neil Johnston, who was, you know, big 50 star for the Warriors. They still had, um, you know, Paul Arizon, who was, you know, led the league in scoring, one of the great stars in the 50s, getting older. But, um, you know, him and Tom Gola, Joe Grabowski, you know, were kind of holdovers from the 1956 title team. So they, you know, good roster plus, um, you know, Guy Rogers, one of the great point guards of his era, Woody Salisbury and Andy Johnson, you know, kind of the key guys there. So, um, yeah, and this was um, a tip-in by Heinsohn. It was a tip-in of uh, a Bill Sharman miss at the buzzer, sending the Celtics to victory, of, of course, here. Uh, a pretty tight six-game series, um, this being the first uh, Russell versus Chamberlain playoff battle, obviously Chamberlain being a rookie. Uh, game six, um, Russell finished with 25 points, 25 rebounds. Chamberlain had 26 points, 24 rebounds. So pretty even there in the individual matchup. Yeah. I'd say, um, yeah. Unfortunately, right. Chamberlain learns very early on the uh, what, what this rivalry is going to be like here. As he, right. You know, yes. matches Bill Russell blow for blow. One yeah. more point than Russell and a, a buzzer beater defeats. Agony. Celtics win. <laughs> Warriors don't yet. It's uh, Get used to this, buddy. It's going to happen, unfortunately. Yeah. Quite a few um, more yeah. times, though. There you go. Yeah, and Heinsohn is 22 points in this game, seven rebounds. Um, he told the Saturday evening post that the game winner was the biggest thrill I've had from basketball. Um, 2018 interview did with Celtic Nation. He says, you know, that was one of my more memorable games. That's the only time that anybody has ever shut up 11,000 Philadelphians all at yes. once. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Uh, go can, off. Can, yeah. The convention hall went, went deathly silent was the way he described it. He also described – convention hall as a snake pit and said that shutting the fans up was a great feeling because they've been riding him all year in Philly. Um, and uh, in game two, Wilt had actually injured his hand after Heinzen had been, it, we'll get into the story here, but yeah, basically he'd been antagonizing Wilt by getting in his way um, after the free throws, allowing Russell to beat him down the floor for easy bus- baskets. Well, getting frustrated this. And, and there's a story that Heinzen um, tells here. It's, it's kind of a long story, kind of a long quote. Okay. So should I try the Tom Heinsohn voice or should I do it in my own Oh, voice? man. If you can do it, go for it. But uh, it's a tough All voice. Right. So if, if, you, right. if you can do I mean, it, I, I, I think you should try. I, I could do the gravelly part. I'm not sure I'm going to pull off the Boston accent, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. going to go with it anyway. So. Okay, All go right. for it. Yeah. All right. Will was a force to be reckoned with. And he took an immediate dislike to me during his rookie in the league. He ripped off my jersey during one game in which we had a little altercation. We had a little play that he used to help us beat Philadelphia all the time because Will got a little lazy at times. They would shoot a free throw and make it, and Russell would run down the floor. Kuzi would inbound the ball real fast, and Russell would outrun Will easily, and Russell would get a layup. All right, that's that's, yeah, that's going to be point. tough. That's going to be tough. Gonna, I was looking at the paragraph. I'm like, man, <laughs> all right. All right, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish it in my own voice. All right, uh, so, so you're going to uh, rough, you're gonna have a rough rest of the day yeah. if you, <laughs> you read right. the rest of this paragraph. Like, all right, right. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to settle that down. All right, so, so back to Jason now, right? This is, this yeah, is you. This, okay. Yes, this is me. Yes. Okay. So, um, yeah. so basically, yeah, uh, I'm going to sum it up more rather than read because this is a bit long. So anyway, yeah, so basically what was happening was, you know, they were getting easy baskets off of this. Um, you know, they were doing it during the season. Uh, they get to the series and, you know, Wilt is caught on. So Red tells um, Heinz, it's like, yeah, well, it's not really working anymore. So basically you just got to step in and block out the shooter once the ball goes through and then go pick off uh, Chamberlain. So Russell get the step on him. And, um, you know, eventually, um, you know, Wilt is really, uh, he, eventually he's just like, yeah, you do that one more time, I'm going to knock you on your ass. And then Heinz like, well, you know, I can't really back down from him, even though I don't want him to to punch me. So so he looked him in the eye and said, bring your lunch. So basically, eventually, uh, Heinz has the pick. And sure enough, Wilt knocks him down. Um, and then he goes after him, winds up and punches him. And then he accidentally punches Tom Gola in the uh, hands. So 
uh, um, I'm not I'm not sure exactly sure if he broke it or if he just injured his hand. But anyway, the um, so you know that happens in game two, I guess, and then later on in the series, um, you know the um, you know it, it, ha- it happens again in Boston, and then basically uh, <laughs> they he tries to. Uh, uh, Heinsohn tries to punch the ball out of Will's hand. Instead, he punches him on the broken hand, and then Tommy's like, "Whoa, <laughs> he's gonna kill me!" And then he's like, "If I play chicken with this guy right now, he's gonna own me." So he gets to the foul line, keeps looking at me. They do a stare down, and then uh, Tommy said, hey, I, "I, I kept looking at him right in the eye. I put my hands on his hips, on my hips, and I just kept staring at him." Finally, he said out loud to himself, "This guy's crazy." And so he took the free throws, and then he basically like never had a moment of trouble with Wilt. You know, Wilt just kind of like one of those Wilt things where it's just kind of like, man, this guy isn't even really worth my time. And you know, whether you think it's like one of those psychological things of uh, the Celtics getting in Wilt's head and like not, you know, him not being intense enough or whatever, or if it's just like one of those things of just like the burden of being a superstar. But yeah, I thought that was a good story. Yeah, that, that is cool. Yeah, I like to stare down, to stare down. Ah, you're crazy. Forget you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, like, yeah. It's, it's good. Yeah, Forget about it, but yeah, yeah. There you go. Well, now we're going to go to uh, next game here is, um, well, supposedly recent history, but uh, believe it or not, uh, right. 2019 was actually 20 years ago, uh, <laughs> it was, yeah. <laughs> believe it right. or not, yeah. Uh, yeah, because 2020 actually was seven uh, uh, years in, in one. This actually, yeah, it, it's it's hard to believe that uh, May 12th, uh, 2019 was, was not that long ago, but good Lord, does it feel like so long ago. And also just because the NBA and, and the things around it have changed so much uh, right. in that time as well, not only you know our lives, but also the league. Uh, it's game seven of the 2019 Eastern Conference semifinals. Uh, Kawhi Leonard of the Toronto Raptors, his last second shot that bounces off the rim four times uh, before eventually falling and giving the Raptors the 92-90 victory over the Philadelphia 76ers. Gets them to the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, just to kind of lay out what was going on at this time, uh, your, your key Sixers, uh, Joel Embiid, Jimmy Butler, Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, J.J. Redick, uh, James Ennis, Mike Scott, your 2019 Raptors, Kawhi Leonard, we'll talk about how he comes to the team here in a bit, Marcus Gasol. Kawhi Leonard or uh, Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam, Danny Green, Serge Ibaka, Fred Van Vliet, uh, all those sort of guys. So uh, yeah, the, LeBron moves to Los Angeles. You know, start this year off, and the East is is open, and and it appeared that you know these two teams, along with Milwaukee, were probably the three teams most poised uh, to take over that Eastern you know conference crown, and and that'd be true for one of the teams that I mentioned, but uh, not uh, not the other two, so because only one team could be the conference champion. Anyway, uh, the Raptors they make a huge trade in the offseason. They decide to trade franchise stalwart Demar Derozan to San Antonio for disgruntled, soon to be free agent Kawhi Leonard. It is a big deal because it's the Raptors breaking up the core of Demar Derozan and Kyle Lowry. That that was a good core. They won you know fifty odd games for you know a bunch of years, three straight years. They win fifty games. They get to the conference finals. They get to the conference semifinals. They couldn't get over the hump, though. So the team decides to try something new. Uh, and this is a big deal. You have DeMar DeRozan, who's been with that franchise forever, drafted by the franchise, had, had been with them uh, you, you know, through the thick and thin and, and had a, a great relationship with everybody, including Kyle Lowry, all that sort of stuff. They trade him for a guy who basically, in no uncertain terms, is like, I'm not probably not going to resign with this team, by the way. Right, and right. they go, well, we'll see. We'll, we'll figure out what's going to happen. And, uh, yeah, they win one fewer game than they did the year prior, but it doesn't matter because Kawhi brings a superstar presence to the team uh, that wasn't quite there in years prior. Additionally, though, and, and I think this is just as much as you know getting Leonard, I think this was a huge part of it as well. Uh, Toronto starts assembling a core of really, really good young role players. And really what they do that that no team at this time was really doing nearly as much is is building and developing guys through their G League, the, you know the former D League, the G League, uh, and 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 building people up through there, and that's where you know the coach Nick Nurse comes from the G League. He's coached a lot of these guys that have, that have been sort of picked up off the scrap heap, brought to the G League, developed, and now they're ready for the NBA. And that's where a lot of their guys you know come from, and 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 it really kind of sets them apart uh, from a lot of other teams in the league is that they are very very deep, very talented, and and, and more than anything, you know, to, I hate to use the term, but they were a team in, in, in so many ways because you know this is in the peak years of Kawhi Leonard, you know, kind of sitting. Back to backs out, sitting games out. The, the the before we knew the term. Well, I think we knew. Do we know the term load management at this point? I think we did. Maybe, I think that maybe. was the term that they was, used for him. I forget. I forget. There, yeah. But right. uh, whether it, whether it was developed this year or, or people knew about it the year prior, it was a, very much a load development year for Kawhi. And they were like just 
perfectly fine without him. Like they won, I think as many games with them as they won without him. Cause right. the rest of the team and the, and the rest of the core was just that good and, and, and that talented and, and had that sort of dynamic uh, together. So Toronto, they make the playoffs and they make quick work of Orlando uh, winning in five games. So I do, I think I remember that Orlando won, I think the first game of that series and people were like, Oh, here we go. And I, I remember that. And it's just like, no, it's Orlando. Like they're not going to do this. And uh, they didn't. So then they move on to yeah. the semifinals uh, against yeah. Philadelphia. So, right. It, you, it, you, I know you're going to get into it here, but it, it is really interesting if you look at the two paths the team took toward like developing their young players and like adding on into their core, you know, there, there's interesting contrast and similarities here and yeah. you know, how, how they would build these rosters. Absolutely. Cause yeah, the, you, for Philadelphia, this is, this year's really, I, I'd say kind of the culmination of the process in a lot of ways. Cause they're, they're, they're led by draft picks, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, you know, two guys that were, they were drafted during, you know, the, the, the peak process years. And the Sixers are, are ready to make that leap and officially kind of kick open their competitive window. They, you know, obviously have three straight years of, of winning less than 20 games. Uh, then they have a 28 and, uh, and 54 record in the first year that they were kind of quote unquote trying to win, uh, sort of. And, and then they emerged the year prior to this and they win 52 games. They make it to the Eastern Conference semifinals. Uh, in 2019, though, things are finally different. And, and, and here's kind of the next step of the quote unquote process. Here is where, you know, you have your Joel Embiid's, you have your Ben Simmons, you have your high draft picks, your top two, top three, top four, you know, draft picks or whatever. And now they also use a bunch of other assets that they have to acquire Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris, two guys to kind of bolster their rotation. And this is what, you know, the process is about. It's about asset acquisition and yeah, getting the draft picks, but then combining those with stars uh, to help win a title. And, that, and that's what the goal was here. They, they emptied out the holster to try to get, you know, they got Tobias Harris, traded a bunch to get him. They got Jimmy Butler, traded a bunch to get him. This is what it's all about. Uh, the team wins just 51 games, but they, but they were deeper than they had been years prior. Uh, obviously, with that, you know, the four top guys there, Butler, Harris, uh, Simmons, and Embiid, uh, plus, you know, a decent role, uh, rotation of guys uh, as well at the bench, like a J.J. Redick that we mentioned and Mike Scott and some other guys. I like that. So this series is about as even as it's going to be. They split the first two games 1-1. They split the next two. They're 2-2. Then you guessed it. They're 3-3. And that leads us to this game seven. And they're as evenly matched as they can be until the final seconds of this game seven because this is a late 90s, early 2000s throwback game. Uh, neither team shoots particularly well. Uh, Embiid has 21 points on just 6 of 18 shooting. Butler was 5 of 14 from the floor uh, and just 1 of 6 from 3. Uh, ben Simmons, uh, well, he only took 5 shots because that's kind of what Ben Simmons does in these types of games. And he has 13 points and 8 rebounds, so he does Ben Simmons things. Uh, Toronto, despite Leonard, uh, well, probably leaving in free agency after the year. They don't care. They're going to ride and die with their offseason acquisition. Uh, and in this game in particular, Kyle Lowry struggles. He has 4, and th- uh, he's, he's four from 13 from the field. Uh, for only 10 points. And Leonard is an absolute one-man show. He scores 41 points on 16-39 shooting, including this final shot of the game and the final shot of the series. It's tied at 90-90, and this is as simple of a play. We're going we're, we're gonna to talk about some intricate plays, some intricate kind of developments uh, in, in, you know, in, the, in the rest of this episode. This is as simple as it gets. Marcus all inbounds it to Kawhi. Kawhi runs to the corner towards the baseline. Ben Simmons is guarding him. Uh, eventually, as Leonard runs to the corner, the, the, the Sixers clearly are ready for this because Joel Embiid picks him up at the corner. Leonard launches. Embiid is inches away from blocking it. It's 90-90, as we said. The ball hits the rim, and this arena is silent as you hear a dunk. <laughs> and then it bounces again. Again. And then again, one more, a fourth time, before finally falling in as the arena, the city of Toronto... Canada explodes in ecstasy. Toronto is moving on to the conference finals, and it's uh, it's you know, it's 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 in our recent history here. But I think this will be one of the more iconic shots uh, and moments in NBA history, just because of just everything going on with it. The crowd exploding at home, the four bounces, all that sort of stuff. I mean, this is one we were going to see for the rest of our lives. This highlight, uh, and Kevin Harlan with a great call here, who just says game series, and Toronto has won. So Toronto moves on. They would, of course, defeat Milwaukee in the uh, conference finals and then upset the Golden State Warriors to get the first uh, NBA championship in franchise history. And then, as we mentioned, Kawhi does leave in free agency uh, in Philadelphia. Uh, they, well, they don't reach this high ever again. <laughs> they have some right. other issues along the way as well. And uh, we don't know what the future holds for uh, Philadelphia. And uh, Toronto's okay. kind of bad now, but uh, that's all right. They yeah. got a title. Yeah, they got a title. Yeah, I'm, they'll take that trade off any any time for, for sure. You know, Um yeah, you know, it's. I was looking at the rosters here, and um, and normally this is a sign of a bad team, but I think uh, you know, with the modern, with the um, you know, the two way contracts, we're going to be seeing a lot more of this. But 
26 players played for the uh, Sixers. I in know. This I looked season. that up earlier. I was right. like, what yeah. the hell happened Well, here? I mean, the Raptors are 22. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, you know, they have – so, you know, of course, they have the big trade um, for Butler. And, and Butler came to the Sixers in, in kind of similar circumstances as um, – Leonard did to the um, the Raptors. I mean, I mean Butler was, you know, he's going to be a free agent. He was disgruntled in, in Minnesota, even though they played pretty well, but he was not happy there. You know, they, they traded some of the key, you know, um, the process guys, you know, Covington and Saric, um, you know, that was, you know, uh, about 15 games in the season or so. So, um, you know, it was an early season trade, but it wasn't quite at the beginning of the season. So yeah, they had a lot of guys there. Like they had like three games of Greg Monroe and then he played on their playoff roster. Like they had, it's <laughs> an interesting. You don't um, remember the Greg Monroe. <laughs> yeah. This was the, this was the Markel Fultz rookie year that, that old drama, you know, they checked Milton, they had Boban, they had, um, um, Wilson Chandler, they had all kinds of guys. A lot they of had guys a lot. The they had guys. Yeah, they were certainly a team uh, of guys. That's, they had a lot of guys. Yeah. Yes. So, um, but yeah, there's a yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, that would normally be a, a team you know, in in tumult, and, and they certainly did have a little bit of. You know, there was some drama that year with the team, but obviously they played um, really well, and yeah, and, and came extremely close to making it to the um, you know the, the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, yeah, I, I remember watching that moment live and just uh, you, you know it was my jaw dropped when <laughs> that ball pounced in after um, you know after four times bouncing yeah. off if you, the If red, you want to watch the yeah. highlight, I think the thing that, that stands out to me is that for, when it first hits, there's nobody making any noise. You hear, right. boom. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like right. so loud. Yeah. Nobody right. makes a sound. There's not one person screaming or yelling or yeah. clapping or whatever. Everyone's just like, let's see. And then you just hear it go, boom. <laughs> and you're just like, what? Right. And then yeah. e- each subsequent bounce, like more and more people are like, huh? Uh, it's like you know they're slowly inflating and then by that fourth bounce you like some of the people are like wait a minute this might go in and then it's not until it actually goes in that this crowd explodes but uh yeah an awesome moment there's awesome photos from this thing too i mean this is just like an all-time all-time great nba uh, shot and nba moment but uh yeah it's always funny because i always forget that it was just for the semis right like i don't know some part of me always thinks because it was such a big deal if you're like oh that's you know and it's like no they just won like the semis which is cool but it was it was a, it was a great series and uh and uh, yeah, a, a, a great moment and a great buzzer beater. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's the only game seven one on here. I mean, if, if you're considering like the stakes and, you know, like what it meant, it might be, you know, the most important one that we have on our list. You know, if, if, if you're kind of thinking about it in terms of circumstances, in terms of how it like shaped, um, you know, the rest of the playoff series, this might be the the, the, the biggest, most dramatic one um, on on this list. So. Uh, next one would not be the most dramatic one because it was one on <laughs> the least uh, on, on free throws. Yes, um, this is JoJo White's 1974 NBA Eastern Conference Semis. We're in Game Six. Buffalo Braves taking on the Boston Celtics. The Braves, uh, young up and coming roster. They kind of had like you know team of the decade possible vibes. You know going in really that would really kick in the next year when McAdoo would take an, uh, you know MVP leap and. You know, they, they really had, but they had, you know, they had some really, you know, a great young players, Jimmy McMillan, Randy Smith, um, Ernie Diagorio, and then a couple veterans like Gar Hurd and Jack Marin, um, you know, to kind of round things out. Uh, the Celtics, uh, 56 and 26 that year, you know, um, Havlicek, Dave Cowens, Paul Silas, Don Chaney, Don Nelson, uh, Paul Westfall being kind of the key young player there, you know, kind of the, otherwise it was sort of the usual suspects from the, you know, early to mid seventies. Um, teams, you know, the uh, year before they'd actually won 68 games, but fell in the playoffs due to a John Havlicek injury. Um, or if you believe New York Knicks fans, just because the Knicks were better. But anyway, um, regardless, yes. So this was actually the second buzzer beater of the series, a, a more dramatic one, but less, uh, you know, series, uh, not, not a series clincher was um, McMillan actually tipping in a McAdoo miss to win uh, game four in Buffalo, which, which tied the series. And then, yeah, as we said, this one is less uh, exciting. You know, ending a game with, you know, free throws with no time on the clock, kind of like kissing your sister. I don't know. I don't have a sister. So I've, I don't I've, either. Uh, I'm an only child, yeah. so I can't. There, yeah, yeah can't same here. Yes, oh, yeah, right, right. So we can't. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I imagine yeah. it's probably like that, yeah. Right, yeah, sure. Yeah, anyway. Or so, it just sucks. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, what time kissing it's, your sister would suck? I don't know. It's, yeah, really, yeah, probably, it's, really yes. not, it's really not the best metaphor, actually. I'm not really sure why I used it, but I guess it's just common <laughs> one. Anyway, so let's move on. Yes, so – the uh, it, it, it Boston really like, in particularly Don Nelson, really choked the game away here. So 
They're up by four with 30 seconds left. And then um, Nelson, I think, got a rebound. Uh, and um, But then Jack Marin stole the ball from him directly, gave it to McAdoo for an easy score. And then with 10 seconds left, McAdoo actually steals the inbound pass from Don Nelson uh, with 10 seconds left. So it's a two. Yeah, what are you doing, Don? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, smoking too much of the ganja there, I guess. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, you got to get have your head in the game. You know, not uh, not what you're doing after the game. But, yeah, so seven seconds left. Um, you know, Celtics have the ball. Um, you know, Havlicek gets the inbounds. Um, he takes a jumper. McAdoo blocks it. The ball goes to White. And then McAdoo ends up blocking his shot, but he draws a whistle with the contact and there's zero seconds left on the clock. So uh, the call, I don't know, a little, I mean, it, it was sucks. That a little contact. Terrible. But, yeah. But no, I, I, you, like, you watch yeah. the highlight and it's like, yeah, eh, like you got to swallow the whistle in that moment, right? <laughs> like unless right. he's knocked down, like, come on, right. what are we doing? Exactly. So it, it's funny. Cause so what we watched, it was like a four minute clip of just the highlights of the series. And um, it's Johnny most who's narrating it. So Johnny most of course is, you know, a, uh, the Celtics announcer, the biggest Celtics homer everywhere. So, you know, they, they show clips of Jack Ramsey exploding, but the reason that Johnny most gives is saying there should have been one, one second on the clock, but I'm pretty sure he also was not happy about the yeah, clock. Yeah. So. I'm sure he's not like, God damn it. Put a second back on that clock. Uh, I'm yeah. sure he was also like, are you? Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Are you kidding me with that? Yeah. yeah so anti Buffalo, um, uh, uh, you know, they, they killed this yeah. franchise. God damn it. The NBA. Right. Yeah. Exactly. The refs too scared the of Buffalo yeah. being the, the preeminent so, spot right. in the, in the NBA and in the country. And, and they, they, they just couldn't handle it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's what happened in the Super Bowl all those years. Too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, yes. So uh, yeah, this is actually happens in Buffalo. So you cannot blame the notorious Boston garden scorekeepers, you know, for the clock stand again <laughs> this time that would happen on occasion. Um, yeah, oh, if, stop. Of, of course, if, if that, if that had, had actually happened, um, you know, there would probably would have been at least, a, you know, if this had happened in a more recent season, um, it probably would have been at least a few, you know, milliseconds left on the clock. Maybe, you know, Buffalo would have been able to get a shot with, you know, 0.5 left or whatever, you know, but obviously that wasn't the case during this time. And of course, if this happened today, there would have been like 50 replays of the foul and yeah, every other 45 minutes. And we were, right. we wouldn't yeah. really even care by the end. We'd just be like, yeah. all right, I got other things to do. Can we get on with yeah. this? I, I, let's I, see what Steve Javi has to say. I don't really right, care. Yeah. Like, we, we love, we love, yeah. I, I, I do think my one like old man yells at cloud complaint about the NBA is that just, yeah, so, so, yeah I, I would just get rid of instant replay. I'm fine with some calls. Yeah, I'm wrong. with you. I, I'd rather that. have things be wrong occasionally than, than to sit there for 45 minutes and watch the back of two referees as they, you know, yeah. point, right. at, you know, rub their chins. Yeah. And then Steve Jabby yeah. goes, oh, I, I think this is going to be a foul. And then they say, yeah. but it's not a foul. <laughs> He's like, never oh. right ever. It's just right. like, that just Jeff Van Gundy's complaining about something. It's terrible. Right. It's oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Well, yeah. J- Jeff Van Gundy's another one that, um, like, I mean, I don't like Jackson either, but I honestly, like, of the two, I, I dislike hearing, um, Jeff Van Gundy words. Jeff Van Gundy might, might taste smarter. Than things, yes, he's more, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't want either one there, but, um, you know, of the two, I honestly, yes, Van Gundy is the more annoying to me. Give me Steve uh, Snapper Jones, baby. That's what I'm There we go. Doing. Yes. So, um yeah so okay and they don't they don't show them the highlights either but according to the recap of the game um white actually did miss the first free throw but the, but you, at this point you have three chances to make two so he hit the next two which um you know as per the rules of the time so so the uh, the, the selective video editing there to make um to make a jojo white seem more clutch than he actually was because he missed <laughs> the, the first one so uh yeah, yes. you know that's all because they do say like in this clip that we saw it, it, it's on youtube it's pretty easy to find yeah. As well. Uh, they're like, ah, Jojo White's got ice water in his veins. And he right. just sings both shots. And, yeah. Like, uh, yeah like, like, but he missed uh, the first one. Like, not not like, quite. Yeah, that's kind of important. Yeah. Right. I mean, so, I guess it wasn't. I mean, it, it didn't matter in the end. But yeah, it's just funny. Yeah. They're like, oh, Jojo White, always solid. You know he's going to make all these shots. And he does. Right. The end. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Game it's, over. It's like when we learned uh, the 88 dunk contest when Jordan actually missed the uh, first dunk and they never show like yeah, the video. Right, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, it's like, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So, anyway, yeah, the Braves fans and their owner, not so happy about it. There's a New York Times recap of the game and it says, yeah, uh, Paul Snyder, he followed by many fans, ran straight for the officials' yeah. dressing room to protest the lost call. Um, police held the angry ground about 30 feet from the room, but Snyder got there. He opened the door, and he loudly registered his anger with Mendy, Wildoff, Mendy Rudolph and Daryl Gerritsen. Finally, the referees were able to close the door. Snyder stormed off. 
and then unable to change the you know the outcome of the series. Tom Heinsohn, the Celtics coach, says, "I think that was a hell of a of a gutsy call." So, Heinsohn <laughs> thought it was a good idea. Yeah, good, good, yeah. good call. Hey, I thought it was great. Gutsy yeah, great call. call. <laughs> gutsy call. Very gutsy call. So yes, uh, White in the game finished with eighteen three and three. Havlicek had thirty. 10 and seven assists. Um, McAdoo had 40 points and 15 rebounds in the loss. And though, you know, it's not going to officially counter list because it was not a game winning buzzer beater. Of course, Gar Hurd played for the Braves here two years later with the Suns, but in a pretty famous buzzer beater uh, on his own, maybe in a, you know, a double overtime against this uh, very same Boston team, of course, minus Paul Westfall in game five of the NBA finals. So some, some, little... some revenge for a, uh... Him, yeah, but not yeah. everybody else, unfortunately. Right, exactly. Yes, right. Um, so. Our next game, is, we're going to go over this one pretty quickly because if you listen to our first episode, we, we hinted at this. Um, this is Michael Jordan. Yeah, it's I'm, against I'm the sorry, Cleveland I believe, Cavaliers. Uh, Rich, I believe that's Mikael Jordan. Oh, that's right, yes. Yeah, <laughs> Rodrigo right. Blas, uh, yeah. uh, friend or cousin, I forget what we said. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. Mikael Jordan or Mikael right. Jordan, yeah. Uh, yeah. 1993 Eastern Conference semifinals. We talked about this one. It's a lot of the same players, a lot of the same uh, things. It's less heartbreaking, but it is still kind of the same <laughs> unfortunate scenario uh, sure. here. It's Michael Jordan. Uh, it's the ni- it's the Cavaliers. The 1993 Cleveland Cavaliers. We talked about they had, had kind of fallen on some hard times after that first Jordan shot, but then got things back together. It's a little bit of a different core. It's Brad Doherty. It's Gerald Wilkins, Larry Nance, Mark Price, Craig Elo is still there, Hot Rod Williams. Uh, but they get some young guys as well. They got Terrell Brandon in there. They have Danny Ferry. So it's it's a reloaded team. It's got some of the same names, but it's also got some good young talent as well. Uh, and then the 93 Bulls, they're 57 and 25. They have Jordan. They have Pippen. They have Horace Grant, B.J. Armstrong, Bill Cartwright, Scott Williams, John Paxson, Stacey King. Uh, they are the uh, two-time defending champions at this point, too. So uh, this this is way less dramatic than that first shot. Yes, that first shot happened in the first round, but it is iconic, and people remember it forever. This one, it's in game four. It's way less dramatic. Cleveland is down 3-0. They're a good team, but, I mean, come on. These are the two-time defending champion Chicago Bulls, and there's really no doubt that if Jordan misses this shot, like, the series is probably still going the way it's going to go. It's, it, the Bulls are probably going to win this one. Uh, the score is tied at 1-1. And it's pretty easy, and the, the clip that we have is awesome. I believe it is from the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers uh, and I don't know who the commentators are, but the one, so the, the ball comes into Michael Jordan and this announcer is just like, you got to get after him. Got to get after him. Get him off the ball. Get him off the ball. And they don't, they, the Cavaliers just go, you know what, Gerald, you got this one. <laughs> it's Michael Jordan against Gerald Wilkins. Gerald Wilkins, to his credit, almost steals the ball. He pops it out. Then Jordan backs him down, backs him down, backs him down, and then just turns around for an 18 foot fadeaway and wins 103, 101. And the Cavaliers announcers aren't even like surprised or upset. They're just like, right. I mean, yeah. you got to bring some other guys to him. They don't bring, yeah. like they don't double team right. him. They don't try to get him off the ball. They don't like nobody comes at him. They're just like Gerald. It's Michael Jordan. You I bet it. you can defend this guy. I, yeah. I, I don't know about it. Yeah. Like, it's it's, no it's Michael Jordan in 1993. Like right. he's probably gonna hit the shot, and he's done it right. over you before. So. Cool. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, the funny thing about it is the 89 shot is so like young Michael Jordan and um and, and this 93 one it, he wasn't quite old Michael Jordan yet but it's a very very old Michael Jordan shot. It's it's, it's very slow. It's you know it's it's an 18 foot fadeaway. It just it develops so slowly. He doesn't really jump that high. You know with with, with the first shot, I mean he just jumps so incredibly high. It so incredibly shows that athleticism. And then 93, it's much more like the, you know, the older Jordan that we'd see, you know, later on in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. The, the last three, Peter, the, the Wizards Jordan, where he's just like, gets well, yeah, not quite that. Not quite fun, that. But yeah. But, but slow it, but, and, and but, bad. But, but, it, but yeah. in that, yeah, in that same vein, it's, it's much more, you know, even though it's only four years later, it, it looks like a much different Michael Jordan, maybe not quite reflective of what he was at that time, but definitely reflective of what he would be yeah, become absolutely. a little yeah. later on. Yeah. He, he's yeah, not, exactly. he doesn't get the shot because of athleticism. He gets the shot just because he's crafty and, 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 yeah. and good on the block and, and good sure. on the elbow and great at the turnaround jumper. And that would become yeah. the shot that he would, I mean, he'd win three more championships pretty much just doing this shot every single game, right. constantly, yeah. constantly. And, and, and yeah, so it's, it's, it's very strange to commentary though. They're just like, yeah, well, that's what's going to happen. When yeah. You don't yeah. double team Michael Jordan. Right. You leave Gerald Wilkins on him and that's what happens. And what's yeah. part of the tragedy, though, like you said, it's a little less dramatic, but it is still very tragic. Craig Elo barely misses a jumper. Barely. Just to put the Cavs ahead with 18 seconds left, he misses right. it. 
right. he does and of course and michael jordan comes back down and then scores and craig's just like all right man i don't know <laughs> like i don't know what to do anymore so uh it is what it is but uh this this is probably famous you know mostly because this is lenny wilkins last game as Cavs coach uh they would uh transition to a new era after this and they would lose to a Michael Jordan-less Chicago Bulls uh, the next year in the first round, which had to just be even more tragic. Like, all right, <laughs> we got rid of Wilkins. That was the problem. Wait, they don't have Jordan anymore? Oh, okay, we're good. Then it's like, well, no, Scottie Pippen's still good, too. We're still going to lose. So, yeah, then yeah. they would be bad for a while. They'd have terrible jerseys, and then, well, then they'd be bad for a little bit more, and then they'd get Sean Kemp, and they'd be bad for a little bit more, and then they'd get LeBron James. So, um. yeah. yeah, that's... So yeah, the, yeah. The next season, so Elo was gone after the next season, and then Doherty and um, Nance, I think, both get hurt the next season, and basically their careers are done yeah. um, early. And then Price is gone pretty soon afterward, um, you know, and the Hot Rod Williams is gone pretty soon. Yeah. So this was pretty much. I mean, they had one more year that was kind of a a little bit of a transition year, and they of course they ended up losing to the Bulls in the first round uh, the next year without Michael Jordan. Uh, it was you know, Scotty Pippen fells them uh, that that time. Or whoever I don't think there were any dramatics in that series in particular. But um, you know, even without Jordan, they're still losing to the uh, Bulls in the playoffs. But yeah, there, there really was you know, kind of the the last gasp of the of any chance of the Cavs, you know, being a um, you know, deep playoff team, and they'd actually. Um, at the regular season, they they were you know similar record and a slightly better SRS. Um, you know, so so regular season quality, they looked even. Of course, that was on paper. You know, the third year of a, of a uh, three P to the you know the Bulls, probably not trying to start in the regular season as they um, as they had previously. So you know what was showing on paper wasn't quite what it was. But yeah, if you, I mean if you look at that um, team, uh, you know, in a normal year, you know that Cavs team probably has a chance of making a, a deep playoff run. But you know, again, Michael Jordan. Yeah, yeah, that'll happen to them. So. There you go. Yep. There you go. All right. So next we're moving on to the conference finals. We have two instances here in the conference finals. The first one, Ralph Sampson, you know, uh, Ralph Sampson, uh, you know, kind of had a reputation, at least in the pros of not always stepping up in, you know, the big moments. And some of that would be what, how you know, he played in the 86 finals, but um, man, he delivers here. Uh, this is uh, May 21st, 1986. Game five, it is the Rockets against the Lakers. Of course, you know, the Lakers had been the champs in 85. Uh, they'd made the finals, you know, I think six out of the last uh, seven years. The only year they didn't make it was against 80, was in 81, where the Rockets actually uh, made it to the um, finals that year, uh, being upset, having upset um, the Lakers in the playoffs. Um, it's the, the Lakers and Rockets are tied at 112. One second left. The ball is at half court. You've probably seen the footage. Samson just, you know, just gets the ball, hits a dramatic uh, turnaround. The another one where the ball, you know, it hits off the rim and just it just bounces right in. Um, you know, really a dramatic moment. Um, you know, Rockets go crazy. Of course, you know this was a you know, the Rockets would win this series four games to one. Um, but it was it was sort of like even though you know it was at a point in which like you know, the Rockets were clearly ahead. Um, I still didn't, it still, you know, it, it felt like it was the Lakers. Like they, the Lakers still like had a shadow of hope here, even, you know, and it would have just put them down three, two, you know, certainly, you know, other teams have come back from a three, one lead, but it, even though it might have felt like, Oh yeah, the, the outcome was inevitable. Even if Samson doesn't make this, I mean, just, I think the aura of the Lakers at the time made it feel like, are the Rockets really going to do yeah. this? Yeah, and, and we'll talk about it here in a bit because, yeah, the teams are on, like, two completely different paths at this time. Like, the Rockets are still kind of new and fresh, and, and they got two young players and a, and a, and a good core uh, of guys. But, like, yeah, it's the freaking Lakers, and, like, nothing changed either. Like, it's the same Lakers team that won the title the year prior, and, and it's got Magic, and it's got Kareem, and it's got Worthy, and it's got Scott, yeah. and it's got Rambus, and they're all still good, and they're all still, you know, it's like everything that that team was. I mean, nothing really right. changed about the Lakers. So it's like, yeah, you, you could totally see that if this, this bounces out. The Lakers probably go, all right, cool, good. We set, we, we, we're good. Like, there'd be almost no doubt. And it almost seemed like even at the end, it was just kind of like the Lakers, they weren't like devastated. They were just kind of like, oh man, what? <laughs> like, how did that happen? Yeah, like, how that happen? Right. and it's so yeah. weird. The series is just like, yeah, they win game one, which we'll talk about in a bit. And it feels like, all right, well, here we go. Lakers going to, you know, do it again. And, and then what, what's weird though is there's this, this year is a blip because what's going to happen the next two years is the Lakers going to win the finals because they're great. Right. And they're the Lakers. So they, yeah. they win the year prior. They lose this game in this series, and they get like beaten pretty good by the Rockets. The Rockets just come in here and beat them, and then I don't know if it was just like a wake up call to them, but yeah, they go in in the, the next two years. But uh, yeah, it, it is. It's a great point by you that it feels like at no point 
like the Rockets should win this series, and it felt like at any point the Lakers could win the series, and then they just didn't, and the Rockets just won four one <laughs> on this shot. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the only thing you know, the only major change is you know, again, Kareem's like thirty eight at this point. I mean, yeah, so right, he's right. yeah, he's getting older, but but he was still you know really still effective. Kareem, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he had a couple of just awesome games against the the same Rockets like later in the late in the season, like you know, like forty plus point games, you know, against Akeem against Ralph Sampson, you know, so um, you know, he was you know still pretty much kicking ass. I mean, you know, the numbers were down a little bit overall, but um, it. it, it you know, there wasn't like a whole lot of like signs of like, oh, you know, um, Kareem's, you know, losing it, even though, yeah, that was kind of the thing. And, and they did transition a little bit away from, you know, being so focused on Kareem, um, you know, going forward that have obviously helped them win the championships, even though he was still an important player for the team. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's still magic. Um, you know, James Worthy and Byron Scott are both, you know, really, you know, great young players, especially Worthy. Uh, you know, you saw Kurt Rambis, you got Michael Cooper, you got um, Maurice Lucas, uh, you got Mitch Kupchak, who's in his last uh, career game. Uh, so, uh, it, but he goes out with a bang for sure. Um, 86 Rockets, you've got uh, you got Samson, you got Akeem Olajuwon, of course, Rodney McRae, uh, Lewis Lloyd, um, and then two players left from the 81 finals uh, team, uh, Robert Reed and um, Alan Level. Um Mitchell Wiggins, who's Andrew's dad, and then Jim Peterson, who's now a TV analyst for the Timberwolves. So some fun names there. And as you said, you know, two teams, entirely different paths. The Lakers, you know, they'd won titles in 80, 82, and 85 the previous season, you know, made the finals in 83 and 84 as well. So, um, you know, and then during the season, you know, they, they, they'd won 62 games in back-to-back seasons um, going into the series. So, yeah, there was really no sign of slippage there. But, you know, Houston um, – you know, after, you know, kind of that Cinderella story in 81, where they were like 42 and 40, but they made the finals. Uh, they, you know, ended up falling off a cliff. They lost Moses Malone. They won only 14 games in 83. You know, definitely not tanking, of course, because, you know, no one tanked. Uh, no, no, no. It yeah. just, just happened to, happened to be bad. go right from the 40 right wins to, to 19 wins. Yeah, like, like you know, that's, yeah. that's our 14 wins. But, uh, no, definitely, uh, I mean, it, it worked out great because they, uh, they got exactly who they needed and wanted, Ralph Sampson. With them. Right, Ralph Sampson, picks. yeah. Who was like, I mean, Ralph Sampson was like, you know, like the like coveted. It was yeah, like there was Tim no Duncan. doubt who the number one pick was going to be that year. Right. I mean, it was kind of it was kind of like Tim Duncan. You know, um, fifteen years later, I mean, it was definitely he was just. Are you insinuating like, the San Antonio Spurs maybe tanked as well? Get out of here! How dare <laughs> right. you? Like, right. Exactly. I mean, it was just like the one key guy that everyone knew was going to be able to like turn around. You know, the franchise. I mean, he just yeah, he'd been probably the most dominant college star since Kareem. You know, so um, you definitely that guy that you want. And then ne- next year, um, you know. They were better. The Rockets, you know, they went from 14 and 29 wins, but they still actually ended up being one of the worst teams in the league. Um, at that point, they did a coin flip with um, Portland to get the number one choice, and it ended up being Houston again, and they got Akeem Olajuwon. So, yes, they had their new uh, Twin Towers. 85, they went back to the playoffs. They won 48 games, but they actually lost in the first round of the Jazz. And then in 86, they won 50 games for the first time in franchise history. Um you know, Olajuwon averaged 23 uh, points per game and 11.5 rebounds per game. Samson, 19 points per game, 11 rebounds per game. So, you know, just uh, – and, yeah, I mean, they, they – like, it wasn't 100% a perfect fit, but they, you know, they still played really well together. They had, you know, uh, some really good uh, vets rounding out their roster. Uh, hey, hey, Craig Hilo was on the team too. Uh, didn't play in this game, but he was definitely on, on the roster. And so he didn't always, you know, get the short end of the stick of these buzzer beaters. Yeah, um, see. So yeah. that, I mean, unfortunately, he tra- he sold his soul for this buzzer beater. Right, and then, uh, right. Right. Unfortunately, was, yeah, it was destined, yeah. It was destined for not, a lifetime of heartbreak after this. But I uh, got this not, one. So yeah, maybe not the best choice. But, monkey you know, paw. Yeah, he, he got one last yeah. wish on the monkey paw. And this is what sure. he chose. It's, sure. Please yeah. let Ralph Sampson win. The, get this yes. yeah. I just love Ralph so much. Yeah, it's one to win. <laughs> right. no. um, yes. So. Yeah, the um, the Rockets, you know, beat the uh, the Sacramento Kings uh, in the first round. Uh, I think it was their first year in Sacramento, actually. And then they beat the Nuggets um, four to two in the uh, second round to uh, you know face off against the uh, the Lakers there. Um, and uh, yeah, the Lakers actually won game one of the series. Uh, Kareem had thirty one points. Uh, everything kind of seemed like it was good for them. And and then game two. Um, yeah, the uh, the Lakers or excuse me, Houston won Game Two thanks to forty and twelve from Kareem. Uh, they or that was in Game Three, 40 and twelve from uh, Kareem in Game Three, and then a game you know thirty five points in uh, Game Four, so they win both games in Houston, and then suddenly like oh shit, we're a little bit in trouble. But uh, 
you know, the Lakers actually got a huge lead um, in the first quarter, up up by 12. Houston wouldn't go away. Um, and, you know, the Lakers, like, they played a good game. You know, their, their key guys all, you know, delivered well, you know, um, worthy at 19. Kareem at 26 and 13. You know, Magic didn't have a good shooting night, but he had 24 and 13. Um, but, yeah, the Rockets at that point just, you know, everyone kind of, um, you know, uh, got there. You know, Akeem at 30, even though, you know, Akeem um, – a key moment of this game is Mick Kupchak baits him into a fight. And, uh, you know, the two get into a punching match. You know, there's a famous um, uh, clip of like the referee, like trying to get between them and basically like, you know, diving on them and like, and breaking them up. Um, and, uh, you know, Kupchak manages to get Akeem kicked out of the game, but, you know, the Rockets are still able to pull it off. You know, Robert Reed is 15, Lloyd is 15, McCray is 11 points and 11 assists. And, the, uh, the the final of his eleven assists is you know the one that you uh, that that lives on in infamy, um, you know basically yeah the Rockets inbound the ball all the way from the low block which is you know, kind of similar to the Derek McKee series winner that we talked about in the prior episode it's just it's a fluid motion um, Samson leaps up and then kind of volleyball sets the uh, ball up and it goes it goes straight into the um, the basket and then yeah it just it goes in the Rockets are off to the finals and it's some um, uh, you know, the, the Lakers are, you know, and it's in LA. So like, uh, you know, the LA fans are just, you know, pretty much in shock of, you know, their what looked like an invincible team, you know, um, falling off here. And yeah, again, it felt very much like an era defining thing just because of like, okay, oh, wow. You know, Samson and Olajuwon are so young, you know, they're going to dominate the league forever. Didn't quite work out that way uh, for um, various reasons. Although obviously Olajuwon would, um, you know, have his dominant era, you know, later on in the nineties. Yeah, it's it's it it does feel like that. It does feel like oh crap! Like this team that just got you know two first overall picks, these two twin towers, they just upset the Lakers. Like th- this felt like this was going to be the start of this dynasty. And yeah, even though things are going to happen in, in in the finals and they're going to lose uh, to the Celtics, this felt like the beginning uh, of the dynasty and not necessarily just this kind of weird blip in the radar that would uh, right. uh, that would happen with. Uh, uh, Houston, and and that's unfortunately what does happen is you know, Ralph Sampson battles injuries. Hakeem is you know great, but not good enough to kind of let this you know get this team to the top. And and yeah, it's going to be another decade until this team actually truly uh, reaches its it, the, the potential or the the potential that people thought they were going to see here. But uh, yeah, it's it's a very interesting thing. It's it's very similar to the uh, the, the buzzer beater we saw this year, the uh, the value oop thing with. Uh, um, with DeAndre Ayton and, and Jake Crowder were, it's just, right. I, you, you wonder what the Lakers were guarding. Cause like, Chris was able to get the ball into Ralph Sampson on the block. And then Ralph, it's like, well, who, why are you guarding anybody else? Like, there's just no point in like, there's one second left. Like there's not much more that can happen besides a tip in, but yeah, they just, they, they get caught. I, I don't know. And then yeah, Ralph just taps it in and maybe they just thought there's no way he's going to get this in in one second. He can't even do a real shot. So we'll just, you know, make sure that, that we're close to somebody, but yeah, it's, it's a remarkable shot, a remarkable pass and a, and a really cool moment uh, for the Houston Rockets. And like you said, it, this is, this is one that kind of rules that it, that it's at home uh, or at home for the Lakers and, and on the road for the Rockets. Cause it is that stunned silence that happens uh, right. as, as, um, as we see the shot happen. Well, well, Hey, I guess that transitions very well into uh, the 1997 shot. We're going to talk about here, which is a, uh, also features the Houston Rockets and uh, another stunned, silent uh, arena as uh, John Stockton in the Western Conference Finals on May 29th, 1997, Game 6. Uh, John Stockton hits a three at the buzzer, lifting Houston uh, or lifting Utah over Houston, 103-100 uh, uh, to win the series uh, 4-2. And as far as um, you know, the Jazz and, and the key players here, like it has been for the last decade plus, Malone and Stockton, head coach Jerry Sloan, uh, they had some guys around them this year and it really kind of helped them get to this level that we're going to talk about in a bit. Uh, Byron Russell, uh, uh, Jeff Hornacek, Greg Ostertag are, are your big guys. And they pretty much play their core five or six guys 40 minutes, 40 plus minutes a game. Like, cause they're not right. really in a, in, in a whole big desire to get Adam Keefe, you know, into the game. So it's, yeah, you know, it, it falls off pretty quickly here. So they're like, Hey, you know what? Malone, you're good, man. 48. You're good. You got that Stockton. Hey, same deal. So it's pretty much a five or six man team uh, at, at this point. Right. And, and things would not change in 98. They would, they would, you know, a little bit more minutes for Antoine Carr, uh, you know, uh, in 98, right. but it's, it's essentially that core uh, again, that's going to do it the next year. But, uh, that's the 97 Jazz. The 97 Rockets, though, and we'll talk about them in a bit here. A uh, very interesting team here. You have Akeem Olajuwon, who is still with the team, obviously. Uh, Clyde Drexler, who came over in 1995, is still with the team. 
they do acquire Charles Barkley. We'll talk about that in a bit. He's a big part of this. Mario Ellie, Matt Maloney, uh, Cedell Threat, uh, uh, Eddie Johnson, and Kevin Willis are also members of this uh, 97 roster uh, Rockets team. But Old guys. I mean, I guess both teams have a lot of old guys. Very yeah. old, yeah. And I was going right, to say, this is right. really a huge uh, – th- this is the matchup between two of the best teams of the decade. You obviously have the Rockets with two titles. Uh, and you have the Jazz, who were consistently great throughout the decade. But it's like – their competitive windows are very close to being shut. It's like every key player in the series is like 36 years old or older. It's 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 pretty wild how old uh, you know these two teams are, but 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 still very very good. Uh, the key here is going to be for for the Rockets is in the offseason they acquire uh, Charles Barkley, and that uh, is a, an interesting trade that actually ended up being pretty horrendous uh, for Phoenix. So what, what happens is August 19th, 1996, uh, Phoenix Suns trade. Uh, Charles Barkley with a second round pick. It was it was kind of meaningless second round pick to the Houston Rockets, and the package they get back is Chucky Brown, Mark Bryant, Sam Cassell, and Robert Ory. So Chucky Brown, and Mark Bryant, just kind of dudes, you know what I mean? Just guys that that wasn't really anything. Sam Cassell, who who was young, you know, kind of a good role player for for the early Rockets. He's traded midway through the next season, so Phoenix barely holds on to Sam Cassell. They move into Dallas uh, pretty quickly after that. Uh, and then the Robert Ory thing, uh, Jason, I would say probably does not go very well as he uh, would very soon after this throw a towel in the face of, of your favorite player, coach, and executive, uh, Danny Ainge, who was the head coach of the Phoenix Suns at this time. So Robert Ory, the run doesn't work very well. And yeah, I know that like Charles Barkley's value is probably pretty low in 1996, and especially with all the issues and the turmoil going on uh, between him and Phoenix. But uh, man, it's a pretty bad package for a guy who is still a pretty damn good player. But uh, yeah, that's well, it's the Suns. Yeah, so. well... Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, like Ori and, and Cassell actually, like, it's not, yeah. I mean, obviously there's no huge star there. I mean, Cassell is the closest thing to a star and it, it, they for, randomly don't keep him for, for whatever reason. Yeah. I and, think that's, it's a whole different trade if you keep Sam Cassell because Sam Cassell was good and Sam Cassell would end up becoming a, 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 a good player, but they just like in 20 games, like, ah, we, we, we got to get rid of this guy right away. <laughs> it's like, okay. Right. And then, I, I, yeah, I mean, the Ori thing wasn't entirely their fault. I mean, you know, that was just whatever weirdness was going on with, um, with, with them you know, you can't really predict that but yeah, yeah. the the, the Castell decision seems very um strange so yeah the, the if, if they kept those guys and been able to like have them as part of like you know their like future team and they'd be pretty good pretty good again fairly soon so yeah. mm-hmm. like th- then that would have been like okay well wait a minute I well I I do take it back because it wasn't Castell part of the Jason Kidd trade uh, oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. okay. So, you know, that's fine then. Yeah. All right. That, that, All right. that actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a good time to trade uh, Sam Cassell. Yeah, I, for, that, I forgot that he went. Yeah. It makes sense. He went to Dallas. Okay. That's cool. I, I, I would definitely trade Sam Cassell for Jason Kidd. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> so, right. Yes. Yes. So that was, yeah. So that actually makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> and then the Robert um, Ory thing was just like from day one. We, I think we talked about that in a, in a prior episode. Pretty much sure. from day one, he's like, I don't want to be here. This place sucks. <laughs> and it doesn't, it doesn't go well. Uh, at right. any point for for one Robert Ory, but that's fine. Anyway, things uh, start going well pretty uh, pretty quickly for the Barkley and the Rockets. Uh, he has a career high thirty three rebounds in his first game with the franchise. Uh, unfortunately, uh, old age and and well, I guess the shape of his body starts to finally uh, 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 you know rear its ugly head on Barkley as he battles injuries sure. throughout the year. He does end the year eighteen point two points per game and twelve point eight rebounds per game, which is good. Uh, it's the most rebounds he's had since his very early early days in Philadelphia, but it is his first year since his rookie year that he averages below twenty points. Per game, but with that said, he had always was kind of the dominant scorer on pretty much almost every team that he was on, and now he's joining a team that's got Hakeem Olajuwon. So you don't need Charles Barkley to score twenty five points a game; you, you just need him to kind of uh, chip in. So eighteen point two, not bad from Barkley, uh, but the injuries are going to unfortunately be a part. He's going to miss about twenty or thirty games. Uh, in the season, but the goal here was to reinvigorate the franchise, and it worked. Houston, you know, obviously had won the championship in 94 and 95, but they fell down to earth in 1996, only had a 48 and 34 record, and realizing that, hey, look, our guys are old. Hakeem is old, Clyde Drexler's old. If we're going to make this, if we're going to do anything with this core, we need to we need to get you know to the next level here, and that's what they do with Charles Barkley. So uh, they get Barkley, they get Drexler, uh, they have Hakeem. It's a solid roster of role players. They win 57 games. Uh, they sweep the Timberwolves in the first round. Uh, they battle in a seven game series with the Supersonics in the semifinals, and then they're going to battle here with the Jazz in the conference finals. And now speaking of the Jazz, they had been great for the last decade, and, and we did a show about them in our early early days. Uh, we talked about the the, the best the second best team of the 90s you know obviously everybody knows about the bulls but who's the second best team of the 90s and, and we made a case for both the jazz and the sonics as as two great teams that always were in the mix but just could never really get it together in the playoffs and we just couldn't get to the nba finals uh because the jazz they win 54 games in 91 
55 and 92, 53 and 94, 60 and 95, and 55 and 96. And yet in that time, they only, they made, you know, three conference finals, but no NBA finals. But they finally got over the hump. And Jason, you know why they got over the hump? Because, uh, you know, because the other teams were slightly worse and they somehow uh, Carl Malone managed to just be awesome even in his late 30s? Nope. Uh, prior to the 1996-97 season, the Jazz unveiled new branding, logos, oh, and jerseys. They got those yes. crappy, purple, nice, clean <laughs> jerseys so, with the good logo. They got so, that shit out of there and said, no, 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 man. We need purple mountains, baby. <laughs> we need- so, so help me understand. So bad uniforms ruined the Rockets, but they helped the Jazz? Exactly. Because, right? yeah, if you're, if you're thinking about that, if you're wondering, man, okay. when did the Rockets get their terrible jerseys? Uh, yeah. They got them in 1996. So, yeah, they win two titles. Then they get new jerseys. They fall off a cliff. They go to 48 and 34. But right. in this case, Jazz, it was their secret power. Is is Purple Mountains with blue writing over the Purple Mountains uh, was exactly what this franchise needed. They needed That's more cool. mountains, more snow-capped mountains. Yeah. And uh, they got it. They got it here. because the... So, yeah, a, a follow-up. So what about the, the Sonics? Uh, did it? Because the Sonics make the finals one year, you know, with the bad jerseys, but then they end up, you know, falling apart afterwards. Yeah. So were those a, were those a blessing and then um, a curse, or what happened there? I mean, for me, a curse. Uh, but uh, right. I guess I mean, did they, it, did they? It was like a sell your soul to the devil type yeah, thing. Yeah, sort of. This is it's, of a, it, it's really yeah. a tragedy here that the, the right the, it, from ninety six, ninety seven, and ninety eight. Yeah, the, two, the Jazz and the Sonics, who have incredible jerseys and and, and, right. and really great teams throughout the rest of the '90s, they don't make yeah. the NBA Finals until they get the absolute worst, dirt worst jerseys they can possibly yeah. have. Yeah. It's it's a tragedy that yeah, you watch these highlight clips and you're just like, ah, oh, gross. <laughs> like, what right. are these what things? The Although yeah. I think we might be on the other. I, I think so. I think the Sonics jerseys most people think are crappy. Uh huh. I believe, but I think a lot of people think these Jazz jerseys are cool. Which I don't know. I mean, um. They're fine, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I I think of the three of the, the that we're talking about, they're the least. They're they're, they're not as nearly as bad as the. Oh, the Rockets uh, are the as, most as offensive. The, as as sure. the Rockets or the Sonics ones. Yeah. Um, I think the Jazz ones. I, I don't think they're good, but I think they're better. I I do think they they get a slight bump because they do sort of fit thematically. The gaudiness with, fits with Utah. Yeah. yeah well, the and, 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 and with the, the region, so yeah, I. Um, but yeah, I mean, and they're also yeah, they, they are a, they're definitely a significant downgrade, but I don't think they're as significant of a downgrade as the other ones. Well, it so. was the magic sauce here. Uh, it also helped that right. uh, Carl Malone he averaged twenty seven point four points per game, nine point nine rebounds, and four point five assists a game. Yeah, uh, and mean, then uh, took yeah. uh, MVP. He won MVP that year, so may- maybe right. that was part of it too. But I tend sure. to think it's more the Jer- well, he was inspired by the New Jerseys. They sure. made his muscles look great. Let's be honest. They did make his muscles look great. Yeah, I mean, Carl, Carl Malone was a creep, but he could play basketball. Yeah, man, could sure. yeah, man. Could lift yeah, weights, least, play basketball, the season. Yeah, drive some right. trucks, I think. So, yeah, and, you can drive some trucks, yeah. And, uh, and, and do the diamond yeah. cutter, too. Um, uh, he, he did the diamond cutter, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was named All-NBA first team, All-NBA defensive first team. Uh, John Stockton, he averages 14.4 points per game, leads the league with 10.5 assists per game. Uh, was named to All-NBA third team and All-NBA uh, defensive second team. Uh, otherwise, uh, Jeff Hornacek, uh, he uh, provides the team 14.5 points per game, second on the team in scoring. So um, not great, but hey, it's going to work when you got Carmel on the MVP out there. Yeah. And then Byron Russell, he uh, showed a lot of improvement as well. He stepped up his game, averages uh, 10.8 points per game. Uh, Jazz won a franchise record 64 games this year uh, as well. So they, uh, they, they get off to a flying start in the Western Conference first round. They sweep the Clippers uh, in three straight games. Uh, the Western Conference finals, they continue to roll. They beat the Lakers four games to one. And then, Western Conference Finals time, the Jazz take uh, a, an early 2-0 series lead uh, over the Houston Rockets. But uh, the Rockets would get back on track. They'd win two games. Um, it, the big one being the Game 4, where uh, they, they got a buzzer beater against them, where Eddie Johnson, yeah. the Rockets forward, Eddie Johnson, it's a dramatic buzzer beater uh, to win Game 4 and uh, get Houston back in the series, tie it up 2-2, and, and now we got ourselves a real series here. Uh, the Jazz take Game 5 at home, and then Game 6 would be another battle and, and appear to be heading to an overtime as the game is tied 100-100 uh, with just seconds to go. Uh, in this game, Drexler has a huge performance, 33 points. Uh, Hakeem is quiet. He only has 16 points. And uh, Charles Barkley gets 20 points, but has a pretty rough uh, scoring night, at, or shooting night, I should say, at 5-13 and 13, uh, from the field. Uh, the Jazz, well, kind of well-rounded attack. Malone has 24, Russell has 15, Hornacek has 18. Greg Ostertag chips in 16 as well. Uh, but in the end, it was John Stockton's last three points 
uh, that mattered the most. And this is a, uh, a pretty cool play that the Jazz run here. Uh, they have Byron Russell inbounding it. Hornacek runs to the corner, and that gets some people's attention. Hey, man, Jeff Hornacek's out there in the corner. Who, who knows what's going to happen? Uh, Antoine Carr dives right to the rim. No one really cares that much about Antoine Carr. They're like, sure, pass right. Antoine Carr. That's fine. If Antoine Carr beats us, that's fine. Malone sets a screen, and then the NBC announcers, I believe it's Brian Gumble here, just goes, uh-oh, <laughs> as John Stockton is so open. There is nobody within 15 feet of him as he gets the inbound pass. He takes one dribble, Charles Barkley noticing, oh shit, John, nobody's guarding John Stockton. That's not good. Somebody should go guard John Stockton. He runs out there, but he does not make it in time. Stockton is open. He takes one dribble, launches a three. It goes in. Stunned silence in Houston. The Jazz are jumping all over the place. They can't believe it. They have finally done it. They finally made the NBA Finals for the first time in franchise history. And all they have to do is defeat the uh, defending champion, 69-win Chicago Bulls. Yeah, I'm sure that went fine. I, I, yeah, you know what? Hey, they gave it the t- they gave a damn good effort that series, but uh, sure, yeah. yeah, doesn't happen. So yeah, so, after the game, they they interview John Stock and they say, "Hey, do you, do you think you can beat the Bulls?" And he just goes, uh, "We'll see." <laughs> like, <laughs> Let me goes, enjoy this, dude. Yeah, he goes, "We'll see." Uh, they didn't think we could beat the Rockets, and I think it's it's kind of him being like, "Probably yeah. not, but whatever." Right, right, <laughs> We're right. here. Like, I, I got I can't say that. I got so, a hat yeah. that says I won that yeah. Western Conference Finals. Like, I'm yeah. good, man. I, I got You're, enough. It's fine. right. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Let me, let me go do some investigation into viruses now. See <laughs> right. how, that, uh, how that goes. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, we lost Malone and we lost Doctor. I know. So it's too bad. Like, oh, yeah, bad. So, all right, I have a question. So, Antoine, Antoine Carr played eight minutes and 22 uh, seconds in this game. Uh, why is he out there at the, in the last play? I mean, <laughs> I mean, he's fine. Like, he's a solid player. Yeah, but yeah. I, I mean, I guess they probably. I'm. I'm assuming Ostertag was not out there. You know, they're looking for. They, they, they're probably looking for um, options for a shot, and um, you know, then Antoine Carr is a better option for a jumper than um, Ostertag. That's what I'm guessing. I, I, I did not get a chance to watch the clip again before we uh, before we did the show. So uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm just slightly surprised that. Yeah, uh, I guess I, what I'm thinking they figured is that there's just. Pretty much no reason to have like so you, you like the idea here is like if this shot doesn't go in it's like we're just going to you know it's it's just over it's just done or whatever so I, I right. guess you don't really necessarily need Ostertag in there because he would just kind of you, you know you're going to get the rebound from him but maybe they thought that if all else broke down we could get it to Antoine Carr and he had a little bit more athleticism to just kind of grab it and put it in the rim or or something yeah I don't know it's it's very right. strange because he does not play very much but then you're wondering look well why not just put like Shannon Anderson or, or they had Howard Isley at that they had a lot of like good young players that that, that could shoot from long range too like those guys might all be better options uh, than an yeah. Antoine Carr but man I, they, I, they love yeah. themselves some Antoine Carr so I, I can't yeah, uh... I mean it's fine I mean I love myself some Antoine Carr I'm not I'm not denying the power of Antoine Carr I'm just uh I it just it does seem like you would have a guy who was in the rotation but like like I said I mean the their starters played all more than 37 minutes in this game and then uh you know the the next uh, most minutes is uh Shannon Anderson with 11 minutes 55 seconds so they they you know the the bench they weren't going to these guys too much so uh it's just a no, no a, Greg a Foster, <laughs> not much yeah. Greg Foster in this game. So yeah, uh, only two minutes of Chris Morris. So um, uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. It's just an um, interesting decision. I, again, probably just because Antoine Carr is a more is a better offensive threat than um, Ostertag here. You just you need a shot, any kind of shot. Cause it's a tied game. So and they just happen to. Uh, Hey, the, you know, we, obviously Antoine Carr's gravity drew so much attention that nobody noticed John Stockton, and you know John Stockton has an open shot. That's you know, so hey, I mean, Jerry, it works. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's so. it's yeah. The call from NBC is incredible. Is they just go, uh oh, <laughs> it's just yeah. like Oops. there's just uh, all this court. There's like seventy feet. Of, yeah. of John Stockton and then the rim and there's nobody anywhere near him and it's just like uh oh yeah. <laughs> like uh-oh. you know I think it's I, I Carl Malone sets the screen I believe it's Mario Eli and Charles right. Barkley and they just basically run into each other and then Mario right. Eli goes like diving towards like Byron Russell and it's like maybe leave him alone <laughs> like I would I yeah. would leave Byron Russell alone yeah. and, and try to focus on uh, you know John Stockton a little bit more but maybe. Uh, yeah yeah I don't know it ends up, it ends up working uh, well but uh, yeah. yeah John Stockton right. does it and they uh, they move on to the finals good times yeah all right um. Well, yeah, we are moving on. Uh, our next show, we are going to look at some buzzer beaters in the uh, finals. No, no game-winning buzzer beaters in the finals, but plenty of dramatic, uh, interesting ones uh, to discuss. So, I think we're going to close our buzzer beaters uh, series with that one. But that'll be next time. So. 
Hopefully everyone enjoyed this. Thank you so much for listening. Really appreciate it. If you uh, are into what we're doing and you want to uh, support the show, whatever podcast app that you're listening on, go ahead and give us a rating and review that helps people uh, you know, learn about us, uh, gives us attention. It, and it makes us feel good about ourselves to see the good rating. So Absolutely. Just, you know, yeah, it's really, really just to boost thing. our egos more than anything. So. Yeah, which you know we'll definitely take at this point. Um, you want to reach out to us, we are on Twitter and Facebook, both of those at Over and Back uh, NBA. And you, know, you can find uh, us. We are part of the Step Back uh, at, uh, at Fansided. So go to the Step Back there's plenty of great uh, NBA content there, both uh, present and uh, and and past. Richie's written some recent uh, stuff there for uh, looking at some of the uh, the historic matchups between uh, the conference finals teams. So that's uh, some great stuff there. We we did some shows on that last year. Uh, didn't get around to that this year, but you, there's some good uh, content there. So uh, great stuff. Everyone should check it out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, fansided.com's got that. Uh, we'll, we'll probably do some stuff as well uh, when the finals, when we, when we officially get our NBA finals matchup uh, yep. ready. We'll, we'll look into some uh, some fun players that play for both franchises. And that could, that could be very fun, too, especially with the teams that are left and, and, and stuff. Obviously, no playoff histories because uh, most of these teams, you know, <laughs> play, different, yeah. play different conferences, so that would be tough. But, hey, you know what? Right. We'll see. It, it, yeah. it, it's, it's not impossible that it could happen because, uh, you know, the Bucks they they, they had stops in the Western Conference in their day, so we'll see. We'll, we'll see that's, what ends up happening if they true. make it through. So, yes, yes. Um, yeah, but, but yeah, we'll have plenty of content up there at fansided.com, both in podcast and written form uh, for the remainder of the, uh, the NBA season. So, yeah, good stuff. All right, cool. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back again soon. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.